Today we're looking at Psalm 67. It's a simple song. It was meant to be sung with stringed instruments, my Bible tells me. We don't know exactly who wrote it or what the circumstances around its writing were, but I believe it's going to speak to us today. So let's look at Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. It strikes me that this is a very polite psalm. You know, it says, may God be gracious. May your people praise you. It's a bit like a phrase you might get in, you know, a Jane Austen novel, you know. May I have the pleasure of the first dance with you? It's got that kind of formal tone to it. I think that represents that it's a poem, that it's the writer has phrased it like this to catch a bit more of a formal atmosphere. Not all the Psalms are as polite as this. Many of them are really emotional and um, Psalmist like cries out to God, bless me, rescue me, deliver me, help. Other Psalms are very direct and say, praise God, shout to the Lord with all your heart, lift up his name, lift your hands, and a much more kind of directive and commanding. And that's the beauty of Psalms that they express all kinds of emotions and there are all different styles within the Psalms. With this Psalm, where it kind of is a little bit more tentative, I wonder if it gives us space to ask the question, will God bless us? Will we praise him? And what does it mean to be blessed by God? What does it mean to truly praise him. And how are the two connected? Blessing and praising. Well, let me look at the verses in a little bit more detail. The first two verses remind us of two great blessings from the Old Testament. Maybe you've already spotted them. The first is from Numbers 6. It was a blessing that Moses gave to Aaron for all the priests that they could use to bless the people of God. It says this in Numbers 6, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. We sing this as a song, don't we? And we pray over parents and babies at Thanksgivings using this prayer. And sometimes it's used as a benediction. It's, it's a prayer, it's a promise. There's a certainty about it because at the end, God says, I will bless them. And the psalmist just picks up this phrase and reminds them of this famous blessing. 
reminds them that God will keep them. It reminds us, God will keep us. His face will shine light on our path. His face is turned towards us. You know, his attention is on us. He, he never slumbers, he never sleeps, his face is never buried in his smartphone, his eyes aren't closed. No, he gives us, his people, undivided attention. What a blessing. He's kind towards us when we don't deserve it. That's his grace. He gives us peace. How good to know that, that in all the storms that might be raging in our life and confusion and anxiety, he is the God who can say, peace, be still. What a blessing. And yet there's nothing in that blessing that is directly kind of practical or material. It's not about wealth or health. It's about God's undivided attention on his people. I wonder if we always recognize that that is a true blessing. Or what about the second blessing? This is one that again just echoes a blessing that Abraham was given from God in Genesis 12. Abraham had been called to leave his people and go to a land that God had promised him. And God says to him in Genesis 12, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Wow, what a blessing to be great, to be influential, to touch all the nations of the earth. What a calling Abraham had. It took a long time to come to pass though. And Abraham went through many trials and troubles and disappointment and battles and heartache. It was about 25 years later when, in a sense, that blessing began to be answered and began to be fulfilled in his life when he had his son, Isaac, the son of promise, the son it was unlikely he would ever have. And that was the start of him becoming a great nation. He had taken that blessing, that promise, and, and applied it in faith to his life. But it didn't mean that there weren't delays and difficulties. Yes, Abraham was blessed in many other ways. He had flocks and herds and lands, and, and that's all good too. But the the blessing that all people on earth would be blessed through him. Wow, that took a long time. Generations through Jacob and the 12 tribes and eventually Jesus, who was truly the one who blessed and saved all the nations. God promises to bless him, but it isn't in the time frame that maybe he imagined. And we see that again and again in the Old Testament. Great people of faith who were given blessings and yet had to wait. And there were twists and turns. Think of Joseph, you know, he was blessed with prophetic dreams and could understand visions and was called to lead his family. And yet he ends up sold into slavery by his brothers. 
He's charged with sexual assault. He ends up in prison. And it's not till many years later that his, his gifting and his calling to be a blessing is fulfilled as he rises to power in Egypt, as he then sees not only Egypt, but other nations blessed with supply of grain during a famine and his own brothers coming and being served and provided for by him. There's so many stories like that in the Bible. Ruth or Esther or Job, you know, the man who had absolutely every material blessing and yet it was taken away. And in that process, God was still blessing him because God came close to him and revealed something of his character that Jacob, that Job hadn't seen before, that he was creator, that he was sovereign, that he could trust him with everything. And so we see in the Old Testament that God, yeah, definitely blesses people materially, but he is also looking for faith and trust and a heart that follows him, whatever happens. That becomes even more explicit in the New Testament where Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount kind of redefines what blessing might look like. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Imagine that, you know, saying that you're blessed when you're bereaved, when something terrible has happened. Jesus is saying, but those who mourn are blessed because they will know the tender comfort of God. They will know him walking through that dark valley with them. Or what about Jesus saying, blessed are those who are persecuted? I know when I've read stories and articles about people in other countries who've been persecuted, I've been inspired, but I've also been pretty scared and thinking, could I withstand that? Would I be faithful? And yet often you see threaded through stories of persecution, a growth in faith, in dependence on God, in miracles, and often a growth in the church as people cling on to God in their trouble, in their pressure. They find blessing even in difficulties. Jesus himself said, you know, even at a very basic level, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, your bank balance, those bills that are coming in. Don't, don't be all about practical blessings. Trust your Father in heaven who knows what you need, who, who knows that you need daily bread. Trust in him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, um, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I think today of all times, we need to hold on to that. We need to hold on that our God will bless us, even in difficult times where, 
you know, every interview on the news is is kind of shouting at us, be very fearful about the future. You know, every statistic about inflation and prices and energy is is directing us to worry. Today, let's come back to the God who's undivided attention is on us, who wants to bless us, who is with us, who calls us to seek him and not worry, to trust him for tomorrow, to trust him for the winter, to know that he will be with us, that he has plans to give us joy and peace and contentment even when things are hard. When we know those truths, we will, as the psalmist says, bring salvation to the nations. We will make God's ways known to the earth because if we have contentment and peace, even under pressure, we speak volumes to people about the God that we trust, who cares for us. Psalm 67 just makes that link that if we trust in a God who is full of blessing towards us, other people will see and they will ask questions. They were like, why are you not anxious? Why are you confident in this season of change and pressure? As we trust and hold on to his blessings, we can be a witness to people around us. And, and that's what we're called to do. You know, if you see a really good film or you read a good book, or, you know, if you follow football, you, you know, you see a great goal. You, you want to share that with people. Naturally, you'll, you'll send them a text and say, you need to watch this or let me recommend this book. Or, you know, send that goal endlessly around on social media. Because there's something in sharing joy that magnifies it. When we hold on to something good, we want others to hold on to it too. And blessing must lead to praising. It's, it's got to be shared. It, it's got to be expressed. And that's what worship is. And it's, it's an expression of our trust and faith in a God who blesses us. It's not just private between me and John, God. It's not just a holy huddle, whereas Christians, we just kind of huddle in together. No, worship is meant to announce to the world that God is good, that God is for us. That's why we, we want to try and worship God as well as we possibly can here at King's. We try and choose music that is relevant, that expresses what we really feel because we know worship touches people and paints a picture of what God is like. It announces his ways to the world. Yeah, there's lots of different aspects of worship. It can be expressed through prayer. It can be expressed through giving. And it can be expressed through song and so many different types of songs. You know, worship, focuses on who God is, how great thou art. Worship can teach us truth. In Christ alone, my hope is found. 
worship can testify to what God has done in our lives. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Worship is so important. Worry crowds out worship, but gratitude fires up worship. And I, I just encourage you, if you're in a place now where you're finding it hard to worship, where maybe life is just a little bit grey, there's a little bit of fear and anxiety hanging on everything around you. Why don't you find ways to be grateful? Because gratefulness just fires up worship. You know, think back to the day you first realised that Jesus loved you. Think back for the, to the first time that you received his grace, that you experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit, that a verse in the Bible became personal to you. Or even go even more basic, you know. Think about the memories that remind you of God's blessing. You know, I love it on my phone sometimes when those Google photo things pop up, you know, 10 years ago on this day you did this. And, you know, there's a picture that reminds you of a, a celebration or a friend or a, a great holiday or a, just a moment, a birthday cake, a smile. Let's be grateful people that remember what God has done for us and what he's still doing for us. We're alive, we're awake, we're, we have a roof over our head, we, we have resources. Even if we feel those resources are under pressure, God is still blessing us. I think the psalmist does that. In, this, in the middle of this psalm, he kind of reminds us, he says, the land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. It's good to remember, isn't it, that God gives us resources, that he blesses us. Yeah, most of us aren't farmers, aren't we? We don't connect maybe with a harvest, but let's be grateful for the money we do have in our bank, the benefits we receive, the food that is in the supermarket, the people who work behind the scenes to provide for us, even when things are in short supply, God is still watching over us. And we as a church, we, we need to be part of that, caring for one another, providing for one another. You know, we do that through equipping people, like through the CAP course, which helps people harvest their resources and budget and save and spend wisely. We reach out to those in our community who are most vulnerable through uh, what we do in the Jericho Road Project, the feast, the Thursday morning drop-in centre, where, again, we provide something that, that gives people wisdom and resources, that reminds them the people of God know that he is with us and he will provide for us. It's interesting that Jesus also takes up this picture of the harvest. It's, it's one that's there throughout the Bible and often we're encouraged, aren't we, to be like the farmer and sow and water and reap. And Jesus takes the picture of the harvest and he doesn't apply it to material needs and wants. 
he, he talks about a harvest of salvation across the nations like, like the psalmist does in Psalm 67. We read this in Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on us. He knows that some of us feel harassed right now. Some of us feel helpless against the bills that are coming in. But Jesus said this, even in those times, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's not talking about grain or wheat or producing bread. He, he's talking about the harvest of people. That's the most important thing, to be part of that process of declaring through blessings and praising salvation is available, that God is here, that God loves us and he wants to draw people to himself. And even if you're under pressure, even if you're in a difficult place, your faith, your sense of peace, your sense of trusting in God can bring a harvest. It, it can encourage others. It can draw people to God. Your prayer for someone going through a hard time can lift their face up so that they see that God's undivided attention is focused on them. You know, one day we'll rejoice and worship in heaven. We will receive every blessing we could possibly contain and more. Those won't be practical blessings. They will be blessings of joy and peace and worship forevermore. We will join round the throne. We will sing worthy, worthy is the lamb, Jesus who died that we might be saved, that we might know our place in the family of God. We will lift up God's name as holy, holy, holy. We will look around at the multitudes of people from every tribe and nation and class and language. And we will see that maybe we played a part in seeing that harvest come in, that, that salvation be declared in our little world, our neighborhood, our place of work. And we will rejoice that the God who blesses also encourage us to be the people who praise. There won't be any worry or tears there. We will know ourselves totally content in the presence of God. So today, let's take an opportunity again to remember his blessings, to turn those blessings into praising him. Let's pray together and I'm gonna use this Psalm as a prayer. It's such a great way to respond to the Bible is actually to pray it back to God. So let's pray. Oh God, we ask today that you indeed will be gracious to us and bless us, that we will know your face is shining on us. 
O Lord, help us to declare your ways on the earth and your salvation among all the peoples from different nations that we know. Lord, we want to be your people. Help us to praise you. Fill us again with your Holy Spirit that we will be a people of praise. We want to be glad and sing for joy. We want to remember that you are just and you guide the nations of the earth. We thank you for the harvest we have, for the practical blessings of home and food and warmth. We are so glad that you bless us, your people. God, continue to bless us. Hold us in your hands so that ultimately all the ends of the earth may know you and fear you, we pray. Amen. <laughs>